Can I get mine out as well? We are recording. We have to do the obligatory dance for the introduction music. <laughs> It's the dance that the kids are doing these days. Okay. Welcome to the Broker Collective podcast, the first one of 2024. And I think the first one ever. Joining me today, we have Lewis, the mortgage man, Shaw, and Jamie, the. The Lennox. Thank you, Jamie. It's the Lennox. It's me. I've got to think of a name for you, mate. Carousel man. Jamie the carousel man Demora. Because <laughs> he likes making carousels. He's loving it. Panda. He's loving life. How's the first week been back for you guys? Jamie, you can go first. Uh well, it's been it's been busy. It's lots of traction. I think personally, from my perspective, um from your perspective. My my perspective, yeah, I will. I will. Um so in December, I naturally kept that quite quiet. Rates were on a downward trajectory. Mm. It's looking likely that they're going to continue to reduce into January. So kind of a lot of clients kind of saying hold off. So we've got a big book of clients now to go through following late December reductions and then further reductions early Jan, um, which is good. Um, revisited a few old clients with rates secured as well. So get them down early part of this week. So just booking in a lot of stuff for the rest of this month to get these remortgages uh, all submitted and there's still inquiries coming in which is good a few more people a bit more confident about the market this year i think the psychology of hearing the media rates starting for free has um got a few people giddy and ultimately is going to lead to more traction not that potentially you know not everyone's got 40 percent deposit to put down but it's, it's psychological that they're going to be entertaining the market heading in the right direction um and then yeah, really, the rest the rest of it's all looking promising. A little bit concerned about the, what's kicking off in Middle East, of whether there's going to be some form of bounce back on inflation off the back of it. But it is, uh, hopefully, it calms down out there and we can have a good 2024. Good summation. Uh, I mean, for me, it started busy. Um, I don't know if I told you, but I had five appointments booked in on Wednesday. You kept that one really quiet. You know? All right. Yeah, you did um, yeah, and um, speaking to a lot of people, um, I do feel there's still a lot of nerves, a lot of jitteriness. Should we, shouldn't we? Am I doing the right thing? Two year, five year? There's a lot of nerves. And I, I think it's because this has become such now a, a mainstream topic. I mean, think back to pre-COVID days. We didn't really, no one really spent the time down the pub talking about mortgages, did they? One, well, not the people I know anyway. Um, and now it's, it's kind of on everyone's lips. So everyone's talking about it. So there's an awful lot of white noise out there. That's what I'm finding when I'm talking to customers. Well, they've said this and they've said that and they've said the other. Well, but they don't know. And I'm not suggesting that I know better, but they definitely don't. Um, and so I think there's a lot of jitteriness because everyone's, you know, this is kind of being, you know, uh, words dropped in ears left, right and centre. And I'm not sure that's particularly helpful for people because it leads to indecisiveness, which often leads to missing the boat, in my opinion. Um, but it's been busy. Speak to a lot of people. Um, there's certainly been a much faster start to this year than last. I mean, no one wants a repeat of, of last year, um, not least because everyone was panicking about 
rates and where they were and where they might go to. And we've seen all sorts of uh, speculations from, you know, I can remember Schroeder's put out an article, didn't they, saying the base rate could reach 7%. Thinking, Christ, that's if that happens, with <laughs> it's end game, isn't it? Um, but yeah, decent year so far. Um, as always, relatively stressful. I say relatively in the, in the sense of, you know, we're not racing around um, uh, being shot at or, you know, climbing Mount Everest, but it's pretty stressful. Um, I too am worried about what's kicking off in the Middle East because we've already seen uh, government borrowing costs increase as a response and um, that could that could uh, quickly pull the rug from uh, from underneath a lot of people's feet that are that, you know the people that are hanging on waiting to do something thinking oh it's all going to be milk and honey in six months well it might not be so that's my concern I guess. So we came back strong when we uh, came back. We were all expecting. We saw swap rates rates coming down towards the end of last year, but no one was going to do anything over Christmas. So we all expected everybody to come out to the gates firing, and Halifax and HSBC and NatWest have all come out uh, so far and told us that they're cutting rates. But in the last couple of days, swap rates seem to be ticking up a little bit and a little bit too quickly for my liking. So I think like you guys, I think there's uh, this whole mortgage price war. And don't get me wrong, I think by this time next week, we'll have a lot of lenders have come out and set their stall for where they're going to be uh, for at least the first month of 2024. But I think that's going to be a movable feast exactly for the reasons that you said stuff in the Middle East. I think that could mean that it takes longer to get down to 2%. And these, you know, five rate cuts that the you know uh, market were calling towards the end of last year i think uh, might evaporate uh, very quickly if it does kick off and it does get worse and inflation does go on from there onwards with regards to this week and coming back and what we've seen do you think the initial cuts that the lenders have put out have been sufficient to put confidence back into the market jamie you start. I think uh, HSBC are obviously regular being first at the traps, really, and trying to lead the way with rates. So it's good to see them come out as per. It's pretty standard with them, um, which is good. Um, obviously, Halifax are then followed up with some decent product transfer reductions after not doing any reductions in the month of December. Um, a whole different subject of whether that's held off purposely or not until the new year. Um, but there will, will 2024 be will 2024 be the year of the PT, uh, the product transfer, Jamie? What do you think? It all depends how the purchase market shapes up, I think, um, of whether they want that business and to retain that business as well. Because we all know last year was a struggle for a lot of lenders for purchase transactions, so they couldn't afford to lose business out the back end uh, as where they've remortgaged to new lenders. So they had to adjust uh, the whole process for PTs. PT at six months was brought in, uh, which was non-existent prior to this all kicking off. I, I think banks are still going to want to try and keep hold of existing clients because they know they can meet payments. Um, they've got that track history on there as well, a bit more understanding. And ultimately, there is a cost to attract a brand new client at the end of the day. You've there's nothing worse than paying legal fees, a valuation fee on the property, a proc fee to the lender to the broker in the first instance, to then lose them again two years later. 
So it makes no sense to only have a customer short term. So lenders should be still pricing well for PTs. Um, but there's going to be some instances where lenders say do personalized rates, doesn't fall right, or clients are now wanting to change the mortgage term and may not be as easy to change it with the existing lender. Um, we're going to see issues of people potentially want to try and consider debt consolidation more often, obviously a higher risk transaction, but it may not be as straightforward as a current lender. Um, so there's going to be a, a shift for the reasons of remortgaging. It's going to mean probably more justification for it. But I think a lot of customers are probably drawn in by PTs. I also think that um, banks are going to be more. We've seen they've been aggressive already uh, last year with their PTs process, earlier roll-offs, contacting customers uh, and getting more aggressive with that. And, you know, some are some are really good and saying, go back to the broker. Some are like, here's a link, secure a PT now. But we, we've all known, I did one today for a client where I revisited it and they did a five-year fix. And since the very first PT rate I did six months ago, it saved them over six grand. Whereas wow. if they had just gone to the bank directly, done a PT rate, is that bank telling them each time a new rate's lower? No, they're not. And that's um, something that I think we've all been saying at the moment. It's obviously by all means, if you've secured a deal, maybe towards the second half of last year, uh, it's definitely worth revisiting that uh, to see yeah. if there's anything better. But who's going to tell you if the rates have come down? Are there any banks out there who automatically tell their clients the rate that you secured can actually be bettered? And here's the. Are, are we aware of anyone? The only one I, I think, think that comes. I think Santander's the nearest to it. I don't think they proactively do it but they do allow the customer to log in and check if there's a better rate okay. uh, in there as well. And they're made aware of that, I think, at the time of rate switching now as well. So, But then again, they're another lender that's really proactive to try and keep stuff in-house once they've got them as a customer. So it's, yeah, I think that's, that's the nearest. And it's not automated. It's only if the customer logs into the account, it'll tell them. But it's still, still not ideal. Cheers, Riz, for that. Lewis. Yeah, I've not been on a fishing boat. I've just, in fact, I've just been talking to a first time buyer prior to, to this. Yeah. yeah, another appointment. And Lewis um, is going to be on the TV tonight. Yeah, all being well. All being well. Nine o'clock, well, between nine and half past on GB News, talking to Patrick. I, I don't know his surname, but presumably, well, he's, he's, I guess he's, you know, well known enough to just use his first name. <laughs> I don't know. But on that, actually, this is something I think we might, or, well, I think we ought to highlight. So I've just seen a first-time buyer, bless him, and he'd got a he'd got two decisions in principle. Neither were actual decision in principle, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know if we're allowed to say their names. I'd rather you didn't. Okay, but you know, one's a double barrel and one's not. Anyway, there were these automated online decisions in principle. So as we both know, they're completely pointless, completely useless. And I did say to the first time by when he was in here, do you feel that that was misleading? Categorically, yes, because I've got a made an offer on a property. The estate agent has taken it as verification that they could afford this mortgage, could borrow the amount that they need to. They've come and sat with me and I've said categorically, that's just going to, you're not going to buy that house because... That's not a decision in principle when I've gone through the circumstances, gone through the credit history and all the stuff that you're meant to do. It's turned out that they can't buy that house. 
and they're quite a way away from buying that house. Now that's nothing that's not their fault because they were they were missold. I I feel that's misselling. So isn't it time that these fake online AIPs that are nothing but just an automated calculator in the background were banned because they are clearly misleading. They've misled that first time buyer, they've misled the estate agent and the person that was selling the house who's who's actually had an offer accepted on another house. That's all now going to collapse because Let's be honest, they're not decisions in principles. It's a lead generation tool. That's all it is. And if we're being clear and fair and transparent and thinking about um, consumer duty, isn't it time that they were stopped? Well, this is one of the reasons that we've banded together as the broker collective, isn't it? Uh, if there are things that are going on in the market that we think should be highlighted uh, ourselves and obviously everybody else, who forms part of the collective. It's not us, it's all of us. Uh, it's down for us to raise it and uh, bring it to light and uh, right the wrongs that are currently going down in our industry. So I think, I, think, I think you've got a valid point there, especially if it's leading to client confusion. Moving on a little bit from that though, going on to first time buyers, obviously today we've had Sir Howard Davies, uh, who's the chairman of NatWest, uh, claim that he thinks that uh, it's uh, not that difficult. He doesn't think that it's that difficult to get a uh, to get onto the property ladder at the moment. And I've just got a clip from the BBC Radio Today programme, which he appeared on this morning, and just so we can hear the whole context. Hopefully the audio will come out. I'll play it now. When do you think it's going to be easier for people to get on the property ladder in this country? Well, I don't think it's that uh, difficult at the moment, but... To buy a house um, in this country? It's, well, it's, Are we living in the same country? I mean, you Are you have to have, you, have to, you have to save, uh, be, and, and that's the way it always used to be. We went through Yes, but the multiple of average earnings that buy. you require... Sorry uh, to interrupt. The multiple yes. of average earnings you require to get a house... I mean, I'm just thinking of our listeners under the age of 40 would say, have you tried buying yes. a house in a major city in this country? Yes, undoubtedly. But what we saw in the financial crisis was the risk of having people being able to borrow 100% in order to get onto the property ladder and then suffering severe falls in the equity value of their houses and having to leave and having a bad credit record, etc. So there were dangers in very, very easy access to mortgage credit. So I totally recognise that there are people who are finding it very difficult to start the process. They will have to save more, but that is, I think, inherent in the change in the financial system as a result of the mistakes that were made in the last global financial crisis. And we have to accept we're still living with that. Okay. Are we still living with the mistakes of the global financial crisis? And do you think that it is a favourable time for first-time buyers? Lewis, let's start with you. Uh, we, we are still living with the mistakes. Yeah, we've never we've never really recovered from the global financial crisis. Really, not have we? Because you know GDP's flatlined. We're nowhere near where we should be. Uh, our GDP per capita, our income per household, isn't anywhere near, for example, the US. Um, we've stagnated for a decade or more. Well, it's just decade, obviously fifteen years. Um, yeah, in that same time, house prices have risen. Um, so no, it's not easy. We we know that it's not easy. Uh, the average house price is what seven, eight, nine times the average salary. That, but saying that, that according to saying that according to Nationwide, house prices uh, have fallen by 
1.8% over the course of 2023. The 1.8% is not going to make a dent. If you earn if you earn an average salary, so I don't know what the average salary is these days, but let's say it's thirty thousand pounds, and you're buying on your own, the best you can hope for is five times your income, at the very best. Um, you're not going to buy a place for one hundred fifty thousand quid. Well, plus your deposit. Let's say you've got a ten percent deposit. Work that backwards. You're not going to buy a house for one hundred sixty-six thousand pounds in many places. You're not even going to buy a studio flat. Are you? you're not going to? You, you'd struggle to get a garage in some parts of London for that. But my point being is that if we look at where we were towards the latter part of uh, 2022 and going into 2023, the expectation for house prices to fall was significantly greater than that. If we've just ended the year on a 1.8% fall, I think that shows the resilience of the market, don't you think? It does show a, a very resilient market, but that's because there's, there's uh, such there's a... There's been no market. <laughs> yeah. But there's, 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 there's such a significant proportion of people that don't have mortgages and are, you know, they've they've done well over the past 40 years. So, of course, you would expect um, you would expect that to continue. You know, if people aren't needing to finance a move, then, of course, you're not going to see these huge decreases. I mean, never say never. We don't know what's coming down the road. Um, but certainly it's not easy for first time buyers. I've I've. I speak to a lot of, I, I deal mainly with first-time buyers, and I prefer that cohort, if I'm honest. Um, it's very few and far between that I meet where it's easy <laughs> at, at all. Um, the, ma the majority of people are struggling, um, and that's they're the people that I'm talking to. So think of all the people that want to own a home that have got absolutely no chance of it. Even James, what are you seeing? Maybe working 40 hours a week. Yeah, so first-time buyers are my probably bread-and-butter kind of customer that I deal with on a regular basis. Um, and you kind of you kind of, you can stereotype a little bit of if a customer comes to you as a sole applicant looking to buy property in my local area of Norfolk, it's kind of dead and buried before it's even begun. Um, and that's the real issue is, is that it is like in my area, it's probably like nine and a half times average salary at the moment in time um, for someone to buy in that area. So they need have a partner to do so um and jobs perspectives in norfolk there isn't a huge chance of huge salaries really we've got an expensive houses versus a very average income system locally um we get naturally a lot of uh, london money flow into norfolk it's quiet it's peaceful on the coast cheaper houses you know you go from a flat in london having a four-bedroom detached house up here as well but ultimately it feeds through to first-time buyers um and it is having a knock-on effect at the end of the day lewis are you cutting your nails or something yeah jamie I've can we replace him <laughs> i've stopped now i've stopped now as much as norfolk is lovely it doesn't have the longest pleasure period in the world does it jamie no 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 where does riz uh, south end on sea the place to be Okay. I think his comments were taken. I think I think he was wrong for what he said. Uh, I think he would have come out of that interview and really kicked himself for what he said because I think it sh slightly shadows the press coverage that he's got. Slightly shadows their rate reductions and what they're going to do going forward. But I definitely don't think that it's a favourable environment. You look at the end of help to buy. Uh, you look at the rate increases that we've had in twenty twenty three. 
unless something comes out in the budget in the next couple of months' time, I don't think anything is going to change. If anything, I think it might get slightly more challenging for first-time buyers because if confidence does start to return to the market and the movers come out or even the buy-to-let investors come out, then there could be increased competition for the properties that they're looking for that they may have, may or may not have had over the last six to 12 months. So, yeah, I, I'm sure he's come out of that and he's kicking himself and he's regretting it. What are your key outlooks? You know, we're today here on the, what's the 5th of January. What do you think 2024 is going to look like? Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> Me. Um, I think for for well for the for the the strong i hate to say that kind of term it sounds like real arrogant but for the the brokers that adapt to the changing market they will do well at the end of the day and the ones that have kind of always done what they've always have and not adapted to this changing market changing buying habits will fall down the wayside um i think there's with tech advancements there's ways for brokers to be more efficient I think that as time goes on, I think there will be a reduction in brokers in the industry as a whole. So there will be opportunity for, uh, you know, the brokers that are still here to help more customers. I don't see the need for a lot of people to recruit hugely low because if tech gets better and does more of the automation, more brokers can process more, or less brokers can process more applications. So I think it's going to be an interesting year. Um, a lot's going to hang on. Obviously, we've got an election this year, so a lot's going to happen with spring budget. What happens on that? Um, <laughs> any schemes that get launched on there as well could fuel some some changes in the market on there as well. But I, I think what we've really learned in the last kind of eighteen months is you actually can't in this current market you can't actually look too far ahead. If you try and plan for something too structured and think this is going to be my year and don't adapt to this changing climate. That's recipe for disaster because I think, you know, you've got to think last year, well, just over 18 months we've had the mini budget, rates peak went crazy, calmed down, went crazy again, calmed down again on there as well. So it's be, you need to be adaptable. And I think that's going to be the key thing for this year is making sure that you can adapt with uh, what's going on. I, I'd echo that. I'd echo that. And in, in, ter- in uh, everything is, everything's Jamie's just said, to be fair, is bang on. Um, in, ter- in terms of for the market, I guess, I, we've already seen, haven't we, um, the, these problems that are, that are now uh, occurring in the, in the Middle East, particularly around Suez Canal and container shipping having to come around Africa instead. Um, I think there's, uh, I think there might be a tendency for, for people to hang back. And I think that might be a mistake. And of course, people might say that I'm biased because, of course, the more people that move, the, we do the deals, we get paid, and all the rest of it. And so there is—I'm not going to lie—there is an element of bias in there. But I do think there's um, a worry that because of the sensationalization of this kind of stuff in the press, which we're partly responsible for, to be honest. Um, but I think there'll be. You are. What do you mean? <laughs> Through newspaper? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. I cannot go and put in your Facebook posts that you're a better broker than Riz Malik, please, because technically that's factually untrue. Well, we'll agree to disagree. But, but I, I do think I do think there's a worry that people will hang back expecting things to be better when they may not be. And I, I think that 
we need to try and get away from this idea that we brokers aren't there to predict interest rates. We're not there to predict inflation. We're not there to do any of that. We're there to sort out what the situation is on the ground at the time. Um, and I think there's too much reliance from buyers and owners that want to move on trying to read and understand and th- synthesize economic data when with the best of will in the world, you know, it's exceptionally difficult to do. And incredibly skilled teams of incredibly bright people get it wrong all the time. Um, I, so- I get your point, And obviously, the smartest minds in the world call it all the time and get it wrong. But conversely, I think the one thing that 2023 taught us is that it's about the hedge. And if rates are favourable at any given moment in time, it, people may think they might continue to be favourable, but it can change on a dime and, and that can be the other way. Yeah. And guys, we remember last year when originally the Broker Collective got together around the 24-hour pledge and we were seeing lenders repricing like this, like this. Like, I've never seen it like that. And, you know, if something kicks off and swap rates continue on an upward trajectory, these deals that we've got now could be gone. But... If you take them now and things improve, then we can always reassess them. If things get worse, then those who are holding out, trying to time the market, I think uh, might uh, have difficulties. But uh, I really hope 2024 makes up for 2023 because that really took it out of me. But I think everything that's set up, like you said, there's an election coming on. We've got the budget coming on into a few weeks, the last chance saloon to try and get voters on board. I think it's too little, too late, personally. Uh, I, th- I think hopefully 2024 should pan out a lot better. Fingers crossed. And and, and you're right. It's, it's, and this is, I suppose you, you summed it up better there. This idea of trying to time the market, that, that for me is a recipe for disaster because none of us can. No one could have no one could have predicted what happened in the trust uh, mini budget. Uh, no one, well, very few economists predicted the inflationary crises. Obviously, what's happening now in the Red Sea, no one predicted that, and what the outcomes of that may be. And it's, so, so this idea of trying to trying to predict the market and uh, is is for me is is a recipe for a disaster because if you need to move and it meets your criteria and you can afford it, then crack on. And if it doesn't meet your criteria and you can't afford to move, then obviously you work you can't. It's this. It's, it's the jitteriness that I think people need to just take a little bit, be a little bit more decisive. I know that that stems from my kind of personality, and not everyone's like that. I get that, but I do think this toing and throwing isn't particularly helpful for anyone. What are you going? So this podcast or video, or whatever you want to call it, is uh, for brokers by brokers, even though now technically I am an independent financial advisor because of the direction that we're taking our business. What are you going to do to change your business model or what changes are you making to your business model in 2024? And I'm going to start with that one. So over 2023, 2024 is the 10-year anniversary of the business. And the one thing that 2023 taught us is that let's try and offer more services to our clients. So we've obviously offered full financial advisory now. It's my background before I started this business 10 years ago and we're adding services on. So if the market does change like it did in 2023, we're not reliant solely on one particular area. Also, we're bringing in a lot of tech 
and automation. And I know Jamie, that is your word of the word of the year, and you are live and breathe tech and automation to try and make the whole client journey as smooth and uh, as uh, hassle free as possible. So that's what we're doing. What are you doing, Jamie? What 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 changes are you making in 2024 with regards to your business? Yeah, I think it's very much a case. You kind of covered a lot of that off is automating the mundane tasks. Is is my time being spent offering value to my customers and my business? Um, because if it's a an admin job that's £11.50 per hour wage, why am I writing up suitability reports on there as well it's it's not required and there's an element of is a lot of stuff you can do for yourself now so few stuff i've got is Calendly integrates my crm then i have a teams meeting that transcribes um all my meeting notes which can then go into the crm which then helps fuels admin write up suitability reports because they can see that live conversation they can search for certain parts of it as well so it saves a lot of aggro there on the back end of the business. It's making sure that there's certain touch points for customers that automatically get generated out at certain points, automation of review collections, um, and just consistency like that as well. And that's going to allow me more time as a business owner to focus on other pursuits on there as well, being more time on my marketing business on there as well, whether it's being growing the business instead of just coasting between the two, being go out and get introducers on board. Obviously, we're in the process of recruiting another advisor at the moment. So the key step is freeing me up more to not just be the broker of the more that we build a team and we can grow off the back of it. Because even if there is a horrific recession, let's say worst case scenario, recession kicks off, economies in absolute tatters. I see that as a huge opportunity for the ones that take it by the horns. Because... Off the back of any recession, there's always a huge growth off the back of it. But naturally, people see recession and go, I'm going to duck out of this market. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm concerned. I'm quiet. I don't know how to get leads. I'm struggling already. Um, but that shortens the pool of advisors. Uh, and then if you ride it out, you as horrible as it sounds, you need to be that last person swimming, treading water, waiting for the rescue boats to come. And then you get the boom off the back of it. Um, we saw, you know, state agencies, we saw loads of stuff get huge growth off the back of COVID. We're now seeing them some a lot of these retract back now because they can't maintain the business levels. They bounce back, loan themselves up to grow that, and they're not may save the money when the money was there. And so I think it's the case of just the mindset of thinking about you're looking, you're looking short-sighted of what's happening here and there, but you also need to be thinking that this is a challenging period. But what's going to be the long-term period of once we're out of this, out of this water? So basically what you're going to say, what you're saying is, who's going to carry the boats? I was just about Who to say. Going to <laughs> <the logs>. yeah. <laughs> who's going to carry the logs? Got there got the first. Got there first. Lewis, what are you doing differently in 2024? How are you going to grow your business? Well, it's a combination of things. Um, I'm all being well partnering up with a, a friend of mine. Um, which will allow us to hopefully take on a protection advisor. Uh, so in terms of fitting with consumer duty, uh, because that is also a big opportunity that, let's be honest, a lot of us probably miss far more than we should do. Um, so it's about trying to be more efficient. Um, it's about trying to use tech. Now, I'm quite fortunate that I have got a very good CRM system. 
other CRM systems are available, but Acre is ex exceedingly good. Um, so it does a lot of stuff for you, and it is continually continually being improved. Improved. So in terms of tech, <clears throat> it's more about getting people through the door and getting them onboarded into the CRM in a better way. So that's something I need to look at. Um, and I'll probably pick Jamie's brains about that, as I always do anyway. Um, but then it's about getting out and doing um, some different types of marketing. So we're very focused as brokers often on social media. Let's be honest. Social media and websites is, is kind of our bread and butter. That's what we seemingly do all the time. But actually, there's far more opportunities out there uh, at the moment, you know, whether that's with uh, introducers such as accountants, solicitors, etc., whether that's having a chat with estate agents. Um, it's not, there's nothing, I, I, I think sometimes we can overcomplicate it because basically all we do is we need to arrange a mortgage and we need to get that customer and where do the customers reside? It's relatively simple when you kind of trace it back, isn't it? And so it's having more of those conversations with more of those people. But of course, in order to do that, you need a bit more time, which is why hopefully we'll get a protection advisor on. They can sweep up all that, which should free up time to be able to go out and do that. I completely agree. I completely agree. Well, for our first outing as the Broker Collective of 2024, I think let's wrap it up there. But if you're interested, if you're a broker and you're interested in joining the Broker Collective, you can contact us via LinkedIn or follow the page on LinkedIn. We will hopefully spin up a site and have other ways to get in touch going forward. But if you've got any comments, suggestions, things that you'd like us to discuss, there's a number of things that uh, we've been discussing that need to be addressed in 2024. We'd be very interested to hear them. So, guys, thanks a lot for your time, as always. And we will catch you on the next episode. Take care. See you later. Jamie, don't hold, hold back the emotion, yeah? I take it apart.